CEOs of Google, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon appeared before a congressional hearing. It was dubbed the tech hearing of the century last week. Uh, they were defending their companies uh, before the House Antitrust Subcommittee, answering questions regarding uh, the company's cyberspace market dominance. Uh, this hearing uh, checked off a lot of the boxes indicating uh, that uh, it was indeed a pretty big occasion, uh, despite being done virtually, because these four companies have never been, at least uh, in a congressional setting, uh, seen appearing together in testimony. Uh, it was uh, an interesting spectacle, but there were also some uh, pretty interesting and important topics uh, being discussed there. And to give us a sense of the situation and help us understand it better, uh, we are very pleased to be joined by a reporter from NPR who specializes in technology and how Silicon Valley's largest companies uh, transform and shape the lives that we live in. Uh, Bobby Allen is on the line. Hello. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. So we had these uh, CEOs uh, testify. There was a lot of uh, uh, buzz in the lead up to uh, the testimony and some speculation of how each of them would uh, react, uh, particularly a lot of, I think, the ire being uh, faced, um, directed towards the Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. Uh, could you give us your overall sense of uh, how, how you assessed the uh, testimony? Yeah, so this is the first time that we've seen these tech titans, all, all four of these CEOs appear at the same time in front of Congress. Um, you know, three of them had given testimony in the past. This was the first time Jeff Bezos of Amazon appeared before Congress. Mm. And, you know, it, it was an interesting hearing because every single company has very particular antitrust concerns. I mean, yeah. the concerns that, that developers have with Apple's App Store and, you know, supposedly having an uneven playing field is very different than the search dominance concerns that critics of Google have. So it was a really sort of broad-based um, regulatory uh, beat-up session by mm -hmm. members of Congress. And I will say, many lawmakers in Washington really showed off their chops and showed that they know a lot more than they used to about big tech and how they operate. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Um, typically, as you well know, uh, there there is a sort of cynical sense that these lawmakers, uh, unless they're uh, fairly well prepped by their aides, they're just going to be clueless, these guys, these white guys in their 60s and 70s asking about why their grandmother or, you know, uh, why why their Facebook uh, posts got deleted somehow and, and all of that. But you feel that these lawmakers were pretty well prepared, uh, especially on the Democratic Party side, in asking pretty pertinent and relevant questions to these CEOs? Yeah, I mean, they've been doing, they've been putting some of the high-up staff at Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple, um, they've been putting them under oath, and they've been grilling them for more than a year. They have more than a million pages of documents that their staff has been spilling over. And like you said, especially the Democrats who are really leading this investigation asked some really pointed and sharp questions that created some news. I mean, for instance, um, you know, when there was grilling of Amazon, right, of Amazon's um, Jeff Bezos, and Amazon has come under a lot of scrutiny from uh, sellers who say, look, I have, say, a pair of running shoes that I'm selling, and it's performing really well. And then I check Amazon two weeks later, and they have an Amazon brand of shoes that is outperforming my own product. Now, that's just a hypothetical example, but Bezos said for the first time that he cannot say with certainty that they're not taking third-party data in their calculation and developing their own products. So it was little moments like that, that here in Silicon Valley, people really thought was a big deal and added new information to the discourse. Um, but, but overall, 
I mean, big picture thematically, yeah. Democrats drilled down on the pertinent issues and Republicans turned it into a sideshow. You know, all of these claims of conservative bias, that yeah. their people don't get a fair shake on Facebook and Twitter. So it was really a, a, tale, um, a tale of two hearings, the Democrat side and the Republican side, and they had very, very, very different focuses. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get to the, uh, the Republican uh, side of it and uh, guys like Jim Jordan and how they were approaching their questioning. But with the antitrust issues, uh, and as you point out, each company has their own problems, whether it's Apple with the App Store, uh, Amazon with, with their uh, various sellers, uh, and the monopoly they have in the online market space, and, and Facebook with the acquisition of Instagram. Uh, how do you think each of them parried the uh, assaults coming their way and their pointed questioning? I think there was a lot of expectation going in that Mark Zuckerberg would be particularly under fire, and there had been some criticism as to uh, his performance in previous congressional hearings, but he seems to, now that he's been <laughs> kind of in the line of fire for so many times, a little bit more uh, acclimated to to actually uh, performing pretty decently there. Yeah, I mean, these four CEOs were highly coached by some of the best yeah. public relations professionals and lobbyists Washington has to offer. You can imagine that behind the scenes, behind closed doors, every single kind of question was lobbed their way, and they had five or six different ways they could answer. But yeah, really zooming in for a second on Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, people talk about how much of a Sphinx-like character he is. I mean, people say, you know, when you talk to Zuckerberg one-on-one, he sometimes has this sort of trance-like stare at you that leaves people puzzled and scratching their heads. He is kind of this mysterious character. Yeah. And I, I still think during this hearing, he, um, he handled the questions pretty well. I mean, he stuck to the facts. He dodged when he could dodge. I mean, there, there was one reporter who was keeping a tally of how many times they would say, Congressman, let me get back to you. And Zuckerberg said that quite a few times. But I think one of the highlights uh, in terms of what came out of Zuckerberg's mouth yeah. had to do with Instagram, mm-hmm. when some internal memos were revealed that said, you know, if we don't acquire Instagram, this could be a real problem for us. If you're trying to make a case that Facebook is engaging in anti-competitive behavior, there's your Exhibit A. Yeah, and so Google with search, Apple with the App Store, Amazon with their marketplace, uh, Facebook and the Instagram uh, acquisitions. Uh, When you talk about antitrust, automatically, um, most people, the uh, reaction is then, are we breaking these guys up? There there does seem to be some bipartisan consensus that uh, these tech firms have become too powerful, maybe for varying uh, ideological reasons as to why they come to that conclusion. But do you think it is feasible that we are going to see a breakup? Like, let's say, for example, Facebook uh, splitting off its uh, Instagram wing or Apple doing something with its app store, making it more competitive, uh, what have you? Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the Republicans who were staying on topic during the hearing raised this important point, which I think is responsive to your question, which is too big isn't necessarily bad. Too Mm -hmm. big isn't necessarily illegal. I mean, antitrust laws in the U.S. have a lot to do with consumer harm. And what these tech companies say is, if anything, we're driving down prices and giving people a free service. Now, of course, many users are paying with lots and lots of personal data that's being harvested every day. But if you look at the existing framework for antitrust regulation, the antitrust scrutiny in America, some of these laws were written 100 years ago to break up railroad barons. It's just completely a different time. Technology has advanced so much. 
um, it's going to be really, really, really hard to use some of those old laws unless they're updated to match the technological monopoly problem that we're faced with today. Another point that I think is worth considering is, you know, together these four tech companies command something like a quarter of the the S&P 500. I mean, their market dominance, their their ability to push the markets up and down is so powerful that there's an argument to be made that that U.S. has has a better incentive to invest in them than to break them up, which Mm. could drive the whole U.S. economy down. So that's another factor that I think is looming in all of this. And the political element to this, uh, as we alluded to earlier, um, if if we can say the consensus is that, uh, for the most part, the Democratic lawmakers uh, came prepared, uh, we can say for every uh, premier... Jayapal, there was a Jim Jordan on the other side who was going on this attack of anti-conservative bias. I believe it was uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin saying that if uh, these firms have an anti-conservative bias, um, they they are doing a horrible job at it. If you look at Facebook and their ranking uh, and trending uh, news stories and and all of that, Uh, is this an issue right now in, in American politics? It's an issue in terms of discourse. It's not an issue in terms of evidence. I, yeah. I think I could say it's a, it's a specious argument to say that there's conservative bias on, say, Facebook and Twitter. If you look at the top 10 performing stories in terms of engagement and views on any given day on Facebook, it's almost completely dominated by Fox News and Ben Shapiro and other conservative mm-hmm. commentators. They definitely use these platforms to their advantage and as a megaphone to reach broad swaths of the U.S. and beyond that said, anytime there's a content moderation decision made on any of these platforms, when disinformation is being spread or when there's trollish activity and there's a crackdown from Twitter or Facebook, the Jim Jordans of the world, like you said, you know, cry foul and say these platforms are supposed to be a hands-off, you know, a platform to give voice to any perspective and all perspectives, but they're really biased against conservatives. So that was a a chorus that you heard again and again and again from some of these um, conservative um, far-right lawmakers, and there's just really nothing to it. I mean, I think it's politically convenient to to, to, to look at Facebook and Twitter and Google and the, the tech companies and call them the bogeyman, but really they are helping conservatives get their message to millions and millions of people every day. But Evidence aside, Republicans will not stop saying that big tech is biased against them. So bottom line, um, unprecedented, uh, did this virtual, uh, virtually because of the pandemic. Do you think uh, this might become um, something that we could see more often in the near future? You mean hearings like this yeah. in front of Congress? or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this moment was, was something that the whole country was sort of waiting for. Obviously, it's going to be a spectacle for the history books. Um, I do think there was enough uh, sort of, at least in Silicon Valley, sort of incremental little developments on, on some of the antitrust fronts that mm. um, it created enough grist that there's a lot of news and, and excitement among journalists for this to happen again. Um, but, you know, I, I just know from, from NPR, National Public Radio, the, the public radio network in, in the U.S., um, attention seems to sort of drift away after about a half hour or an hour right. or so, yeah. according to our numbers. So I, I'm not I'm not a lot of people were interested to know what happened a day later. But, you know, broad and deep public interest in watching a day long hearing with tech CEOs talking about the intricacies of their companies. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon, but we did get to see it during the pandemic, and it was virtual. And yeah, it'll be one for the history books for sure. Well, uh, we thank you for helping us understand it better, Mr. Allen. Uh, uh, appreciate it, and hope to talk to you again soon. You as well. Anytime now. Take care.